I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jeremy here. And before we throw it to this week's episode, I just wanted to take a little second and give you a a bit of a public service announcement. Well, actually, first off, I should say I'm sitting here with my wife. Hi there. Hi, Bridie. Hi. Hi, babies. Uh, Babies? Well, you and everyone who's listening. Lovelies. Don't, don't, Don't call them babies. Call me baby. And then the peasants. <laughs> the plebes. The plebes. Um, and uh, the reason I'm sitting here with Bridie is because uh, the, the people who brought you Sick Boy Podcast and my wife are bringing you a brand new podcast called... Turn Me On. Turn Me On. That's right. What is Turn Me On, Bridie? Um, it's a podcast about well, where we talk about people and their experience being a sexual being in the world. Sex. Yeah, we yeah we talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard of it, um, take a second, head on over to iTunes and search up "Turn Me On," uh, and we have a little teaser there that we put up. It's got some clips from past conversations that we've had, and uh, the exciting news about "Turn Me On" is that it is launching when. February 15th, the hump day, day. Yeah, that's right, Hump Day, the day after Valentine's Day. So. Um, Go check it out. Check out what we're up to. We're going to be launching this new podcast. We're really stoked. We want all of you to listen to it. And hey, just like any other episode of Sick Boy, we would ask you if you go over there just to give that uh, that preview, that teaser, a little rating and review uh, just so we can spread the word on this mother licka. And I would recommend having an extra pair of underwear uh, in your backpack because it's a pretty Going hot. to make you shit your pants. <laughs> right? Is that what you meant? Yeah, if that's what you're into. Sure. Why not? Um, this week's episode of Sick Boy is a very, very entertaining one. Uh, we sit down with the ever so lovely Lauren and talk about her experience with borderline personality disorder. And holy shit, she's entertaining. Uh, I love this episode, and I feel like you will too. And um, yeah, can't wait for you to hear it. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. See ya. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Lauren. She has borderline personality disorder. Let's talk about it. <laughs> oh god daddy daddy, like. daddy does not like oh. daddy does not not like that daddy uh i'm in um so speaking of the grinch um uh put your phone down taylor sorry i'm doing work at the same time i'm listening <laughs> sorry sorry i'm busy yeah <laughs> but uh continue i'm working at the same time <laughs> don't work don't work <laughs> Fine. Bad, bad boy, bad. I already got it anyway. Daddy does not like that. Daddy's dumb. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Grinch, um, let's talk about 
the Grinch that lives inside you, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly how I want to have borderline personality to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm always certainly help, helping to get rid of the stigma. Yes. Always, always looking for those real good segues, you know? <laughs> uh, well, so I guess the, the, the uh, elephant in the room has been addressed. We know what you're here to talk about. Yeah. Borderline personality disorder. Most people probably read that in the episode title. Um, but for those who don't know what that is, including myself, because I actually have no fucking idea what that means, what is uh, borderline personality disorder? Okay. Do you want the scientific off the bat? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I brought my handy dandy. Um, oh, shit, dog. You got a book. Your I DSM. Got, I got two books. Nope. That's not the DSM. That is not the DSM. No. That is called Sometimes I Act Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super apropos. The and other... it's a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. <laughs> is that kind of like what borderline personality disorder is? It's like BPD, a.k.a. Sometimes I act crazy. Yeah, and the other book, like, so this is a evolution of the first book about BPD called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, which is also, like, incredibly accurate. Like, it's, these doctors are, are really great. So, um, so borderline personality just came into kind of the, not cultural imaginarium, but, like, the world of mental health in a very concrete way around the 80s. It was so largely misunderstood for so many years. Um, there are, like, patients who we can now look back and say have borderline personality disorder have been treated to, like, electroshock therapy be like pretty much been like you're a witch that's why you're so, like possession like <laughs> ev- like like de- demonic possession like all of these things have been mm-hmm. attributed to burn like, her the, yeah right. like legit which hysteria. doesn't mean that those things aren't real I mean there are witches in the world and there are demons of course of course naturally but they have nothing to do with BDP <laughs> no okay so um, these wonderful doctors um, who reading these books for the first time I felt like I was reading like kind of a mind map it, it was like this incredible amount of clarity being like oh yeah I okay so the, the BDP criteria like officially is uh, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment, a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation, identity disturbance, markedly uh, and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging, i.e. spending, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eating. This sounds a lot like my teenage years. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I have a, a note to, on that too. Um, <laughs> um, reoccurrent suicidal behavior, dressers, threats, or self-mutilating behavior, affective mood instability, and marked reactivity to environmental situations, i.e. intense episodic depression, irritability, or anxious uh, anxiety usually lasting a few hours, chronic feelings of emptiness, inappropriate or intense anger. It sounds yeah. like you're doing. It sounds like you're doing that like the fine print at the end of commercials. Like, yeah, the legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're when you you when you fire off a list of all those things, like when you uh, first read this book, were you like, holy fuck? Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Well, okay. So when I first got diagnosed, I ended up. I go. I went to therapy, and my therapist was like. Okay, you're you're very clearly depressed. Um, you have some other things going on, but I'm not exactly sure what's wrong with you at like the core, basically. So after a few sessions, she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna read to you from this list, and you tell me if you identify with these things. I'm not gonna tell you what I'm testing for, but like, you let me mm. know." And so yeah. she read through the list, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, yeah." You're like, good answer, good <laughs> yeah, answer, yeah, good that, answer. That one, that yeah. one. And she's like, "Okay, so like." you have borderline personality disorder. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, don't Google it, but come back like tomorrow and we'll figure this out. Um, <laughs> it sounds like something that would be really hard to, especially if like in your younger years, because you like, we just alluded to a couple of jokes about it. It sounds like something that a lot of those things are like the, 
the experience of an adolescent, but with the outliers of a, f- a few of those things that was like the chronic thoughts of suicide and stuff like that. Like but, teenage yeah. angst. Yeah, exactly. Things that stick out. So like being an adolescent and going like, and saying like, oh, I feel all these things. And then it's like, oh, well, you're, you're, well, a, I mean, you're it, 15 but, or 16 years but here, old. But here's the thing. And just to, just to actually talk, because I find, I think that's really interesting to, to kind of dig into is that those things, a lot of those things on that list are things that you would attribute to a teenager because they're going through a really intense hormonal process. Right. Uh, like, you know, the time of going through puberty, like that's totally natural for a, a, a teen to feel, uh, to feel a, a, a handful of the things on that list. But I think where, where it starts to turn into the, the mental illness uh, sort of, and this would be considered a mental illness, right? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, so it's definitely a mental <laughs> What kind of brings it into that territory is the maybe the intensity and also the all-encompassing of not just one or two or three of those things, but like a, f- a fucking grocery list of those right, things. Right, yeah. And the, mo- and, the, and the outliers, what I was saying, the, outli- mm-hmm. the outliers of like the things that aren't necessarily just like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, because it, it, it like kind of sounded like we were like, almost like, oh, you don't really have a mental illness. You just were a teenager. But it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's absolutely not like that. Yeah. Like it's a way more <laughs> I, extreme version. I, of I, I really hope that the sarcasm <laughs> came through when I said that. <laughs> but but I think that for me, it's like the, the name of it is what is what throws me off because it's like, borderline personality disorder not like personality disorder it's like you're borderline personality disorder so it sounds like there's like a next level to it but is that true what's the deal with that okay well uh, you guys brought up like several things I would like to address here here's a hundred things answer all of them okay firstly just get ready what Jeremy said I had um, in discussion of a certain president elect um, a friend of mine who is uh, in med school to become a psychiatrist my mother was inquiring like what makes someone just this was in terms of narcissistic personality disorder so Vari the doctor was listing off um, uh, like symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder. And my mom was like, well, that just sounds like things that everyone has. And, and Barry's like, yes, but what makes a personality disorder is when these traits come to impact your daily life. So like, for example, uh, like people who are really narcissistic, yeah. like their bruised ego like gets in their way of being able to like be themselves and like have a fun, have right. function. I don't have life. little hands. Yeah, <laughs> I do not have little hands. My hands are normal. Hugely, <laughs> hugely. Yeah. Hands. And my hinder, dick's normal too. <laughs> it can hinder their development. Of, it can hinder the development socially and, and yeah. And professionally. And it's, so it's one. I these don't. Ha- I, I do. I just want to say, uh, I do not have little hands. I, my hands are normal, <laughs> and my dick is like just a normal size. So anyway, whatever. normal to big. Normal. Just it's, like, yeah, let's just normal leave to it big. There. You're not co- overcompensating. Yeah, no, podcast. totally. My, my hands are fine. My hands are fine. So do these look little? Like, can we just take a second? Second? Is that a little hand? Dude, I, your finger, your fingernails look weird. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> your fingernails look weird. It looks like you have big. Uh, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> My hands are just as big as Jeremy's. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it means that Lauren has a big <laughs> brain. <hand. laughs> uh, sorry, I cut you off. Um, okay. So, like these criteria I just read, like how you're saying they just remind you of like regular things, and that is true. Like everyone probably identifies with some of the items on this list at mm. one time or another. The yeah. thing is, like I saw go through these feelings multiple times, multiple, like every day, all the time. And, um, and it was fucking with your life. Yeah, like, exactly. It, was, it, it comes was... to impair your, your, mm-hmm. your being. And yeah. that's at the point where it becomes a personality disorder. So Brian, what you brought up, I also have a problem with the name borderline personality disorder because I get that reaction a lot. Like, do you have a personality disorder or do you just like get moody? And, and I think <laughs> there's kind of like a, a problem with the name. And I mean, it's like, it, it largely contributes to the 
the stigma and the lack of understanding, I think, because like with things like depression, the name is pretty significant or indicative of what you're experiencing. But it's not like borderline depression disorder. Exactly. And and again, it's kind of a harmful name because it's not like I have half a personality disorder. I have a full personality disorder. Um, The name does connote that it's like it's Mm. kind of like maybe you do, maybe you do. Yeah. So where it comes from is actually from the trouble they had diagnosing it because it bordered between. um, I just want to make sure I get the words right. The term borderline was first employed more than 60 years ago to describe patients who were on the border between psychotic and neurotic um, but could not huh. be adequate, adequately classified as either. Um, hmm. So that's kind of where it came from. And Super interesting. So it's borderline it's between... It's evolved from there? Yeah. Even though they know way more about it? Correct. So yeah. it's borderline between... Kind of, well, initially or originally when they thought of this, it was borderline between two things, not... The fact that it was borderline of On being something. a personality disorder. Exactly. That, that's super interesting. And you should update is, that. Yeah, it's like there, a shit ton of clarity. I agree. There, It should be updated. Um, is that it, a thing? Is that a thing that, like, is that an option? Like, is that a thing that they could do or... I think, who's yeah. they? Who's they? <laughs> who's making these decisions? I guess it would be the DSM people. Right, sure, right. We the should DSM. have them on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. let's reach out. Um <laughs> DSM, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but I, and another way the name kind of uh, evolved in the same misnomer is uh, people with borderline often, if not always, well, you can't say always, but often have concurrent disorders. So in addition to my borderline, I am depressed, I have ADHD, and I have OCD. So, but those, those are like, de- like, that's irrelevant. Those are They're, weak compared yeah. to your, your, o, so your is, B. PD. <laughs> is that is that a would those things be like comorbid with borderline personality disorder? Is Good that word, the word Brad. that they use? I think it would be, yeah. Because they say, I guess, like what I what I've heard, and I'm not the DSM either. But I wish I was. That'd be pretty cool. You're not though. Uh, <laughs> I wish like, you were too. You'd but, just be a big book, and you wouldn't uh, <laughs> make so much fucking noise. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that wasn't funny, Jeremy. It was a little aggressive. But most uh, mental illnesses are they they have comorbidities with one another. So like, if you suffer from depression, then there's a good chance that you suffer from anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just hypothesizing that maybe that's the yeah. same thing with yours. Yeah, that's very very correct. Um, so yeah, it's very uncommon for a borderline to not have any other concurrent disorders or illnesses or b- depression and um, borderline usually like run hand in hand down the road together. Is, like, is they're high, besties. Is high IQ uh, a, like kind of a symptom, I guess, of or um, not, I, I guess it wouldn't be a symptom. How are but you at math? Is this more common for terrible someone? At yeah, math, is it more common that you have a high IQ, I guess, if you have BPD? I don't know BPD specifically, but I, uh, Andrew and I were talking today that usually there is a, a, a concurrent, or not concurrent, there is a... Um, Relationship? Or yeah. Um, oh my goodness, what is that word? There is a... Yeah, association. Yeah, between um, mental illness and creativity or productivity or high achieving um, mm-hmm. human beings. So, because I'm just basing it off of like, I know that you have BPD. I don't know anybody else with borderline personality disorder, and I feel like you're a pretty smart person. So, thanks, Brian. 100% of the people I know with BPD <laughs> have a pretty high IQ, I'm guessing. Yeah. So, Brian's sample size is perfectly, uh, perfectly uh, sized. Adequate. It's yeah. very, definitely adequate. Very, yeah. very scientific. <clears throat> yes. Very scientific. The first other borderline, if this is any um, lending any credence to your incredibly scientific hypothesis, hypotheses. <laughs> the first other borderline I met was in law school, so woo. <laughs> and that's, you guys are both in law school. You guys are both super smart. Right. And yeah. that's something that you you have done. You went through law school. You're yes. current, you were saying you're currently uh, on the hunt for a law job. Yes, I am. And um, that's actually funny because, so 
taking things personally is like very in this whole yeah. spectrum. Like it's really hard not to take things personally. So like the amount of rejection, like it's a totally ima- regular amount of rejection in like in the job searching field, but mm-hmm. it is right. so hard not to be like, this is a personal attack on my being. Yeah. And, but the irony is um, kind of one of the reasons I really want to do this is because I absolutely do not consider my borderline personality disorder a weakness or a personal failure at all. I think it gives me a unique strength to connect with people and be a really strong advocate for things that I believe in. And that's kind of been like looking back in hindsight, like post-diagnosis, it is my like emotional capacity that's driven me to everything I've ever done. So, you know, I, I never for a second would be like, I wish I didn't have this disorder because yeah. that would effectively be saying, I wish I wasn't me. Right. And that's not at all how I feel. Can we, can we go to the, like, to the diagnosis or maybe like back towards yeah. before the diagnosis? Because yes. I'm very curious about this as someone who has known you for, I mean, we've known each other for... Over 10 years. 10, yeah. 12, 13 years almost. Um, and, and I remember when, uh, I mean, we've been talking about having you, uh, on the show for like almost a year now. And, uh, and I remember when, when it came up in conversation that we were trying to have you on the show and, and that you, uh, you have BPD, I was like, and not even knowing what BPD is, but just knowing that that's a mental illness. I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, holy shit. Like. And I immediately started thinking because we've known each other. Like, I wonder how far that goes. That goes back. I wonder like how that played when we knew each other in high school and junior high and all that shit. So, um, take us back. So, <clears throat> I think one of the reasons it took me so long to get diagnosed is because <coughs> I have been a, primarily a very happy person. So my periods of happiness, like even looking back on my life, like my happy moments stand out. Like not my not my throes of depression. Like it is without a doubt. Like. My, I think that's why, again, it took me so long is because, you know, you're never going to be like, oh, I'm way happier. I feel way more happiness than the people around me. Mm. I think that's wrong, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm too emotional over this. So I made this little timeline, actually, um, where there's, like, a few, like, if, if my book were a, or my life were a book where I would have uh, dog-eared <laughs> some of the pages that stand out to me as really being borderline. So, well, like, one thing is it ma- it's made me more outgoing um, my entire life, and I've always been fairly outgoing and, and very uh, extroverted. So that's something, and again, you're never going to be like, oh, I think I'm too social. Like, maybe yeah. something's wrong with me. <laughs> um, it only became when my problems got more adult and my stressors became more real that my depression was more noticeable or stood out more between the extended periods It almost sounds a little bit like, like uh, bipolar, too, like a... Like a is it hypomanic when you're like not quite there? You're not, you're there not are similarities. Hypermanic, isn't it? Hi, no, hypomania Hypo. is the pre is yeah. the pre stage, and I, okay, from what I understand, sure. yes. from bi- uh, bipolar people or the dialogue around bipolar disorder is that hypomania is very it's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I've gleamed. But um, I don't really experience mania in that mania in that way. But I do. Mm. I, I would say I experience hysteria. I think. Uh, but, which would be classified. What's the difference in hysteria? Um, I'm like aware of what I'm doing. I just get like, my emotions just like really like I'm drowning almost in my emotions and like, but, but it's also in, in, in good ways too. Let me explain. Okay. I'm going to explain to you like the the very first moment that I can look back and be like, that is like different. So Aerosmith has been like my favorite band since I was like fetal basically. Um, and (laughs) when they came to close my eyes, you just ruined it for her. Because I miss you, baby. They would have sold so many more records. Oh, God. <laughs> um, if he had uh, those old 
<laughs> those noodles, the Mr. Noodles for hair. Oh, nice. yeah. Good luck. Yeah. That was really good, though, right? No. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry. Continue with Aerosmith. <laughs> I also enjoy Aerosmith. Right. Um, so I went to the concert and in Cape Breton, no, PEI, and I remember like being there with my friend Natalie and, and she loved Aerosmith too and, and we were like so stoked and the energy was so high and I remember they brought the microphone out that he uses no sign of Steven Tyler just his microphone with his scarves on it and I started to bawl my eyes out I was just like so excited <laughs> yeah. about it and it was just but it wasn't like sad crying it was like oh my god this is happening this is happening and that consisted like that bawling of my eyes out it, it consisted the whole show and then like I believe the, the actual like medical term for that is called Bieber fever. Um, <laughs> you were experiencing Bieber fever for Steven Tyler. Yes. Bieber. Yeah. Bieber, not Bieber fever. That's a that's a sexual disorder. No, no. Be- <laughs> Bieber fever, as in like it uh, leave it to Bieber. It's oh. it's a re- huge thing. Are back you saying in the 80s. Bieber or Bieber? Uh, I said Bieber, but now I'm saying Bieber. <laughs> he switched it and he's going with it. Also very scientific. Um, but anyway, so I just remember crying like extensively through that show and 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 um, we took a picture during I don't want to miss a thing and and I'm just like my eyes are red there's tears streaming down my face and like it was the point where like my friends had to hold me up because I was hyperventilating and I was trying to get out like it's really him but instead all I could get it was <laughs> like just right. like overcome with this like surge of emotion and and that happened to me again at an Aerosmith concert in my f- second year of law school. And my friends were like, what is going on with you? Like, they, like, stood away from me. And they were like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> are you going to get through this? And I was like, I'm, I'm really happy. Like, just, I'm okay. I'm just really, really happy. And 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 those are, like, these emotional um, kind of, that's the hysteria I'm talking about, yeah. kind of. It's, like, just so yeah. overwhelmed by. And, and these emotional fits, I've experienced, fits, that's not the right word, but, like, I, it's always been usually about happiness or, like, something I'm super passionate about, so. It said, it actually, like, so I was, I would, you, as soon as you said hysteria, I was like, what is the, what is the definition? And it's interesting that it says, it says this exaggerated or uncontrollable emotion or excitement, like you said, especially among a group of people. Especially so, at Aerosmith concerts, yeah, in particular. <laughs> yeah. But I think what they mean by that is Classic like it is like <laughs> like a larger group of people. So like that that Bieber fever thing that I was kind of joking at it's is a it, that's a legit that is a legit kind of it's like just like a group of people hysteria, hysteria. thing. Yeah, you look at the videos of like the you know all of the women that were like rushing to the Beatles to like watch the Beatles and like screaming, freaking out, and mm-hmm. bawling your eyes out. That's like mass hysteria, yeah, right? Totally. So you were just experiencing that by your lonesome. By and my your lonesome. friends are like, what the fuck is up with Lauren? <laughs> literally, literally, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, but that would be like to look at that uh, as a pro, like you could, I mean, that's such an amazing thing to experience emotion on that intense of a level. Like I wish I could feel that happy and like cry that much at an experience like that it just makes it i feel like when you cry at something it just makes it so much more memorable yeah like it's just something that will stick with you for you that that memory is probably way more it's very visceral visceral than than it was for your friend who was there with you and at this point this was before this was uh, pre-diagnosis 10 years out like i was 16 okay Okay, but then my like the second time when my friends <laughs> uh, saw it, I, I was like just like the year before. So right. it's been a consistent thing. 
um, that kind of reaction to and things I'm, that I care I, about. I'm guessing that that experience, the the you know Steven Tyler fever happening, wasn't wasn't like a you didn't step back from that no. afterwards and go, whoa, that was fucking weird. I need to go get checked out. Like you were just like, oh, I just love Steven Tyler yes, a lot. Exactly. Those and scarves do it for me. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. and because I experienced that level of happiness or intensity over like most things, I'm really passionate about. Um, it just seemed kind of my norm was that I just mm. experienced happiness and love and excitement in these like extreme capacities, like greater than people around me. And I, but I honest to God thought that it was normal. Right. <clears throat> um, one of my friends from law school, Haley, she like, after this whole, like um, after my diagnosis came to the light, she was like, I always knew that you thought you were normal, but like, I didn't understand why, because you were very clearly like not normal in the, <laughs> in the way that you experienced things. And it, it just, it didn't even occur to me that it wasn't. But coming back to like what Taylor Taylor said that um, like you guys have known each other, we've known each other since since we were young, like knowing now that that you have this diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, it's it's almost like this quirkiness that kind of like drew us to you as friends, I think, rather than than push us away at that age. Now, I know that you you talk about like you, you're talking about like earmarking pages in a book. Um, what are some of the the more like negative sides of that? Well, here's a fun one that um, happened also really early and relates to how I know you guys at Regina Nationals. Um, our work new got second, and like you know, when you tell most people like, "Oh, I got second at nationals," they're like, "Congratulations!" But I remember just being like gutted and like losing my mind, like just so sad. I'd been so invested in that race, and um, um, and for the for the listeners who have no idea what the fuck that is, oh, work yeah, new is a. <laughs> Gigantic uh, canoe that holds uh, fourteen paddlers and a and a and a cox, a person who stands in the back and basically is like steering. And it canoeing is like a huge thing in the east, eastern Canada, but nationals is like a massive deal. If you're a paddler, you go to nationals. It's like really exciting. Everyone has a really good time and a lot like sort of riding on on that experience. And it's particularly big in Halifax. War um, canoe, if you've never seen it, it's fucking cool to look and like watch. It is. Uh, you should definitely Google it if you've never seen what a war canoe looks like. But I remember, yeah, like my parents were like incredulous that I was like so ungrateful and so unhappy with this like second place. But I had put so much stock and so much <clears> now, like I realized like my identity into being like this successful, um, having this successful race. And, and it, didn't go the way I expected it. And it was like such an emotional blow because like I knew pretty much it was going to be my last nationals. Like it was all just like very like, mm. and yeah, I, and the, the pictures of me on the podium, like I'm <laughs> legit bawling my eyes out. Oh, I look wow. so ungrateful. It's awful. Like, so this <laughs> wasn't a internal thing. Like this wasn't a thing that, that, you know, was kind of under the surface and people didn't really see. This was very evident. Yeah, like oh, anybody yeah. who was around you was going, that Holy girl is shit. crying. She, like, is she happy? Is she sad? Like, what's going on? Yeah, correct. So that same kind of like, whoa, like she's. It's extreme. Yeah, it is extreme, and and then like it, it, it's that still continues. And like my friends, my friend hated going to see The Force Awakens with me because I'd seen it first, and I would start preemptively crying at all of the parts that I knew were going <laughs> to. Oh, uh, yeah, so he was like, "You're ruining this for me because I know when something sad or exciting or happy is going to happen, and like I just." <laughs> oh shit! Oh, Han Solo's going to die soon. I know yeah. it. I know it. Spoiler alert! <laughs> the movie came out a year ago, but. That kind of thing has always like continued. Um, and again, at nationals, this is something else that you 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 had not been diagnosed at this time. No, had not. I was still I was seventeen when Regina was young. Mm -hmm. At what sure. point did things start to happen that you started to go, okay, wait a wait a second, like Probably something's up. Like something is 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 there's something 
greater happening here than than what I like perceived to be the norm? It would definitely be in law school because my academic challenges were greater than anything I'd ever experienced um, in my life. I mean, obviously, I guess. But uh, so when I started, when school was not like just lickety split for me, because during my undergraduate, I was pretty blessed that like academics just, you know, it, it not so much fell into my lap, but I was so incredibly passionate about what I was doing that um, school felt like fun to me. So it was never a challenge. But As then, it should. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <In my opinion. laughs> Um, so when the LSAT roller rolled around, that was like my first ever academic challenge. And I remember just being like so incredibly frustrated and like not understanding why I was frustrated and not understanding why it wasn't coming super easily to me. Frustrated in failing the LSAT, like the first time around, or just frustrated in the process of like prepping for it? Just studying and like yeah. it wasn't coming as easy as like... Not my, feeling like you were going to go into it and ace it like exactly. you had everything else. Exactly, mm. exactly that. Mm. So, and like, I know that sounds like... Whatever, but um, oh, some people are just like that. I mean, yeah, and and it and it was because I had written <coughs> essays and and it, tests weren't really something I did in my undergraduate. You know, I took English, history, classical studies, and film, so I did a lot of writing. Right. Um, so like this, like set test was um, mm. a lot, very overwhelming. Um, and then just kind of as my yeah, my trials and tribulations got more adult, I realized that um, you know maybe the way I was handling like when I when my life had more reason to be. I don't know, like sad. And, and so another thing, I don't know if you caught that earlier, but like an, I, putting your identity in outside things is pretty um, something that borderlines do. So like when I was an athlete, athletics was a huge part of my identity, which is why like that loss was like so detrimental to my being. Um, so but then as I translate transitioned out of athletics into academics, um, that became a huge source of like who I was. So not being really good at school really threw me for a loop and I wasn't like failing by any means but not having interesting right it's it's really interesting because when I so we recorded an episode on ADHD and then I went uh like I identified with a lot of the things so I went and got tested for it after unofficially and uh and one of the things like, like unofficially by like a but well, they weren't a, a like doctor. the doctor, the doctor, the, the general I went, practitioner. she took a big old patch of my hair and uh, she... Boiled it over the cauldron? With some wormwood. And she was like, hmm. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Tastes like ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brad. Yes, and. Uh, so uh, so uh, this, the general practitioner couldn't give the diagnosis. Right, so. okay. Uh, but, but one of the things she asked is because I, I thought because I did well in school growing up, I was like, oh, I can't have ADHD Mm -hmm. because I did well in school and it, and everything kind of came naturally. And I thought, and I kind of thought ADHD was this thing where you struggle with, uh, education or school. So, um, but one of the things she said to me is like when the bar was raised, when you went to university, how do you perform there? And my answer was not, not that well, because I didn't put the effort into it, right? Like I had to all of a sudden put this new level of effort into it Mm -hmm. that I wasn't comfortable with. And all of a sudden that was the thing that kind of made me say, no, I can't do this anymore. So does does that relate to you when when this kind of level, albeit a a higher level, uh, when that was raised, is that what what was like kind of a bigger trigger? Definitely, definitely. It, it it was confusing to have to work hard. I know that sounds silly or privileged or whatever, but like it was confusing that I had to kind of try. Yeah, and, I relate to that. Yeah, and it, and it was weird. And I know something that you would also probably relate to. I've read a lot of literature about adult onset ADHD and um, 
children who were really into high-level sports, that was a huge outlet for that energy. And then when they stopped the athletics... That's the other thing that the doctor said to me, too. Yeah, so it comes into play there, too. So you would you probably experience that. Um, yeah, so fuck you guys, Jeremy and Taylor. I have ADHD. <laughs> yep. maybe, okay, maybe, maybe you I, do. I, maybe you kind of get a diagnosis, bro. Yeah, yeah, but you need to be a witch to do it, so... <laughs> Dude, I can boil your hair. <laughs> Nair already did that to my head oh, once. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, um, you've recovered. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, you've recovered. Your hair looks very fluffy. And- Think of your favorite one hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And Dan Thanks. Yesterday. I conditioned yesterday. Perfect. So it was it was in uh, it was in law school where you started to kind of uh, realize like okay like the the way I'm handling the situation the way I'm handling the stress of the LSAT like that's it was the frustration like was that the thing that made you seek help? Yeah, basically, I it, I reached this like crux um, in the summer before my third year where it just kind of like I was. In hindsight, now I can look back and I was very seriously depressed, like, like couldn't get out of bed. Like, and I was like, whatever, I'm done the school year. Like, this is just like latent exhaustion from what I've been putting myself through. Like, mm-hmm. I will like, this will change. Like, I won't stay like this. But that was the first time I ever kind of realized that I was really sad. And, but like, I have this like qualm with the way we're taught emotions because like you hear the word sadness, you hear the word happiness, you hear the word anger, but you never, there's no real education into what those emotions are like or how they manifest between different people or like, you know, the people who are sad don't, aren't they not, they're not just a frowny emoji, you know, like they're, they're human beings and there's a ton of different reactions. They could be that upside down smiley face emoji. Yes. Like that one. Yeah. I I don't know what that is. It could be sad. I like that one a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so anyway, I, I just wasn't aware that, you know, it was a problem. I thought it was like a phase. Um, um, in hindsight, my friends and family were aware that something was going on, but I wasn't. I was mm. too far kind of gone, um, so to speak. But I remember just looking and being like, oh, it'll change tomorrow. It'll change tomorrow. It'll change tomorrow. And then, like, it wasn't changing. And I was incredibly unhappy. Yeah, you should have known tomorrow never comes. Yeah, that that yeah. is like... <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Sorry. That's written on my wall upstairs <laughs> in cursive writing. Um, it's actually a decal. <laughs> Stick on you well, ordered the letters. I didn't Actually, a have tattoo that on him across his belly and <laughs> no, script low back. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, so it was in that summer kind of where I was like, something has got to change, and I have got to be that change. So I sought therapy, um, and I just kind of really lucked out with my therapist. Um, I just like walked in and was like bawling, and she was like, Why are you here? and I was like, oh, I'm troubled. Um, Borderline personality <laughs> was, was this your first therapist? First ever, yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. That's, that's pretty, that is pretty lucky. Yeah, super like lucky. People, and, yeah, and seems like people go through uh, multiple you know, before they find the right fit. I've been very lucky in like all of my like uh, uh, endeavors to kind of better myself. Like my, my first medication for depression was the one I'm still on and I love it. Like, so I've had oh, no wow. problems there and I know that's incredibly rare. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really glad about that. Um, but yeah. Do you still see this uh, this therapist? Yes, I do. Sweet. Yeah, she's great. Um, awesome. Uh, How long ago was this? This was the summer before 2000. 
2000 and I mean, it was the summer before I graduated from law school. So 2015 summer. Good year. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah good year. I, I think that's when it was. I thought you were going to um, say it was the year before 2015. I was like, <laughs> I deduced that it was 2014. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It was the summer before my last year of law school, which is good too, because I got to go back into my third year with this renewed sense of clarity and like understanding and crisis management te- techniques. And like, so when you go in there and she's like, all right, I'm going to like, clearly there's something wrong. Um, I'm going to list off a whole bunch of this, uh, of these like symptoms or these, these sort of like emotions uh, and you just let me know like which ones which ones speak to you and you're like that 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 and then she goes whoa you got BPD don't google it basically we'll, yeah. we'll figure this out yeah how did you guys figure it out or like what is what does figuring it out look like to you and your experience so well back to me being really lucky my therapist Karen hi Karen um she <laughs> hi, hi, hi Karen <laughs> she um she Why worked in a like borderline that? clinic so I, oh yeah, it just was like this. Total so she has an agenda. <laughs> I see. No, it was like the most serendipitous, like uh, patient therapist. You call it that or personal bias, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want. Tomato, tomato. Exactly. No, it was great. So um, she is so helpful, and it was, and she is so operating outside of stigma that some mental health professionals and health professionals still carry about borderline. So. You know, she really gave me the right mindset going through and like she kind of taught me not to be ashamed and that like she's like one of the first things she said was like you can learn how to better yourself basically. So Mm. it's like I'm born without kind of this rational toolbox. Let's say that that is like the word that's used often. Um, So I I'd operated solely in my emotional mind, like didn't really understand how to incorporate rationality into my emotional behaviors at all. My Mm -hmm. emotional reactions were so extreme, rather be happy or sad. Um, uh, So she kind of like the what uh, the therapy that I've uh, undergone is called dialectical behavior therapy, and um, it's kind of just learning a series of response techniques. So um, you know whether it be dealing with, like, irrational anger. I don't know. Like, I was – anger is probably one of the ones that was worse for me. But, it, like, not anger in a traditional sense. Like, I'm not going to go out and beat someone up. But I just get so mad that I could almost, like, not speak. Like, I couldn't articulate. And it, it's, like, anger over, like, nothing, right? Like, just, like, silly things. Just like, mundane, silly shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was saying to Andrew this morning that, like, they um, – the way that it's explained by these doctors actually is it's like having a third-degree burn on your emotional skin. So if, hmm. if you have a oh. third-degree burn and, and the breeze blows by you, it would cause you quite a bit of pain. Right, right. So it, it's like just what would be an emotional breeze for you is is kind of an assault on my sensibilities, yeah. so to speak. Um, but, again, it can be learned to approach and handle these things like a quote-unquote normal person. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, what is that? Like, how do you, what, what is the technique for that? How I you, should have brought my binder is with it like, me. Is it like a recognition? Is it going, is it, is it some type of like mindfulness or awareness? It or, is a lot of going, mindfulness. There's a lot of mindfulness involved. Like, in, whoa, this is happening right now. This is how I want to react, but let me just take a sec and then yeah. you work with it? Yeah, basically. Um, I think there's a few chapters in this book about it. Um, <clears throat> but like you learn things like, like this is sounds silly to people who are like normal, but like boundaries, like boundaries are not something that I really understood, like in terms of, um, like when you walk up to like a stranger at the bus stop and, and you're going to like ask them directions, you 
come up this close to their face and you just ask them really closely and breathe hot on their face? (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly like that. Those kinds of boundaries? But, uh, yes, kind of, but more social and less creepy. Oh, yes. (laughs) Not really a mouth breather. Of course. Uh, (laughs) But just in terms of even with how intense I can be with certain people or how much I share with certain people, you know, like – I right. I think actually what a reason why I'm able to speak so openly about this is because um, I don't have that traditional sense of like embarrassment or um, uh, like shame that some people carry through certain mm. things. Like which I, I love. Man, I think that that's yeah. so much better than the opposite. I I, I, I want I have to say this like there, cheers like, like that though. I, I, cheers, I yeah. well I have to say this is that there's been a lot of things that you've brought up and I like I'm sitting I I've, I've been sitting here telling myself since we've started. Going, ah, don't know, don't like, don't say that, don't say that. But I, I kind of, I have to, I have to say it. I relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about, like a lot of them. And I know that I, I don't think I have borderline personality disorder because I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm managing my my life and my emotions and my like, I'm everything's in check. Usually, I don't, I like, but, goddamn, there's a lot of things that you're saying that I'm going, holy shit, man, like. I overshare like crazy and I have, I don't really have any shame in that kind of stuff. And like, I, I, there are some boundary issues that I have and I do get really fucking angry over stupid, silly shit. And I do, dude, man, I don't know. Can I have like, is it like, can I have a dash of BPD? Like, like, is that a thing? Taylor, what do you, what do you think about Jared? Do you think that you could see some signs of that? Well, I think what, what, what we talked about in the beginning is I feel like, like how a, a lot of people can experience some of these things yeah. some of the time, yeah. but it's kind of like the outlier ones, like that are more the, the intensity of them, and yeah. then the certain aspects that are like, okay, well, do you experience chronic thoughts of suicide? Yeah, like that's and, something and, I never have, and I, and and like depression is like I've I've gone through like a small bout of depression for like four or five months once. Um, but, but like the, the thing of like, of placing your identity behind something, mm-hmm. dude, that's like hard yeah. fucking but I feel core. Like, I like feel like this is how this gets, this gets to be something that is hard to diagnose and yeah. how, because, yeah. it's like, because yeah. it's like, there's probably so many people that are like, wow, I identify with a lot of this, yeah. but then there's like these, these major pieces over here that are like, that are intense and I don't really feel those or, you know, I don't kind of cycle through this on a daily basis. It's kind of like here and there. I feel this stuff, which I feel like is normal, which is why it's so hard because it's like so much of this stuff is normal, but it's not normal to feel it every day. And at this intensity and these other things like over here are like, you know, that's a part of this, of that. That's like really specific to BPD and not just like the everyday humans plight. You know, plus Jeremy already has CF, so you can't have more right. than one thing. <laughs> yes. It's true. Can't I can't. Have, I can't yeah, have all of the cool diseases. Yeah, right. God, leave some trendiness for the rest of us. <laughs> but it's, it, it is. It's an interesting right thing to kind of ponder and think about. It's like do the things that make us who, and we kind of talked about it when we were talking to um, uh, when we were talking about schizophrenia with uh, uh, Laura. Right, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. we were, you know, we were talking about like, d- like, do these things? Yes, these the, the like mental illness and a lot of these the the things that we've touched on on the show are things that you want to manage and you want to deal with because they are they can be harmful and they and and in our society they're not things that that are conducive to like success or mm-hmm. or you know like a a, a a a healthy lifestyle or whatever. But are these 
are these things that are happening in our brain that make us who we are, like your BPD and Laura's schizophrenia? It like, is it, is, are they, and not to downplay that it's a, it's an illness or a disease because it, it is an illness and it, and it should be managed because it could harm you. But is it just that we have these different, like, like if your emotion meters, yeah, Westworld, dials, think about dials. Westworld, right? Like you look at Westworld and that if you haven't watched it, this robot, she woke, she wakes up and she's like, she's with these people that aren't robots, but she doesn't, she thinks she's a person. And they're like, well, no, sorry, you're a robot. And she's like, well, what the fuck? What do you mean? And they're like, everything you thought you knew is not really real. It's all in your head. Cause we have these, these, that we can implant memories. We have this iPad here, see, mm-hmm. and I, I can put the memories in here and I can put the memories in here. And also I have this other option here on this iPad where I can turn up your dials of like your, your like acute intelligence, like intelligence your and your everything. aggressiveness and all these things. And it's like, it, 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 when I hear, you know, when we're talking about BPD or we're talking about schizophrenia, it just makes me kind of think of like, are we just all these people with these little dials well, that dude, some people have them turned up way higher than others? And yeah, it just, it's yeah. just because our it's personality. Like, it's like, like the same way that like time's not real. We've just said that time is a thing. And, yeah. then we, and then we measure it with seconds and hours and days and weeks yeah. and months and years and decades because we need a, a, a measurement system. So it's like, it's not like borderline personality disorder is something that's inherent to the universe. It's just, it's like there's things that we've classified. Okay, well, this is where the bulk of society fits into this like place on the spectrum. And then like, as you go out further yeah. this way and go out further that way, you have people that have, now we've classified these people as like this there with bipolar. These but we whatever. classify them as like broken though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that's problem. the thing is that we is classify the them as in an effort to try because this, because this yeah. is so socially people, the, the medical, not the medical community, but I don't know, this, uh, the, the overarching society. society wants to push those people back to the middle of the spectrum yeah. which, with everybody else. Which also, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that kind to of a, makes to sense. A, to, to a degree, degree it makes sense. To function in to, society yes, the way right. that we've created it. It's just it. interesting to think of it like that and actually look at it like that as opposed to going, you're just fucked. You're just fucking crazy. <laughs> which is how they right? used to look at yes, it and which, yes. is which is how it's how shifting now. Tons of people yeah. still look at it. Yes. Oh, totally. But, yeah, you know, it's shifting now. Like, I mean, 50 years ago, they were like, like, oh, oh, just put them in a school by themselves and let them uh, do their thing. That yeah. Or not even a school, associate. a hospital. Right. Put, them, yeah. put them in a ward. Put them put in them on isolation. Drugs that makes them all yeah. loopy and they can't think for themselves. Or just no get their feelings meds at all. Every day. Yeah, numb them to but, death. But speaking of like the, the challenges of like fitting into society and like functioning with, with other people and, and to bring it back to Lauren, like how, how, is, how is borderline person, how has borderline personality disorder like affected your relationships with other people? Um, Mm. It it goes both ways. Um, Largely, like there's a few noted um, instances where like it's been bad, but um, I've gotten a lot of feedback, Brian, kind of of what you said earlier. Like it, a lot of what you're saying is the quirkiness that makes you, you. And that's something that I get a lot. Um, People find my raw emotion and my honesty very endearing, genu- gen- generally. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is something I, I try to be earnest and I try to be open and I try to be frank. And like, I'm not embarrassed when I get really emotional over things like that. Like, I'm I'm not at all. Like, so, my the first time I met my friend Maria's boyfriend, I had just written an exam and I had decided to like unwind watching Harry Potter. And for some reason, I picked the first half of the seventh movie, which like obviously the first five minutes is just like death, like so much death. Like Mad Eye Moody dies, Hedwig dies. Anyway, so. <laughs> 
Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, whoops, guys. Um, anyway. came out a while ago. <laughs> the book so, in 2007. Marie and her boyfriend came home to our apartment, and I was sitting in front of the TV in the total darkness, just like bawling, which is something that you'll hear me say all the time. <laughs> like, what are you watching? Yeah. Harry yeah, and, and, and I was like, hi, Lee. Like, it's, I'm sorry. I'm not usually like this. But, like, he, it made a really positive impression on him. Um, he thought he, I think he used the word endearing, said that it, it was, like, a nice moment to see that I was, like, this human with these, these feelings. And um, he, if he, you know, he, he didn't judge me at all. And, in fact, um, his reaction to it was very positive. And, and also a very unique experience because <laughs> usually you'd come in and be like, hello, I'm Jeremy. Oh, nice to meet you. Uh, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm good. Cool. Well, I, I guess I'm going to go over here with uh, my friend. And Okay. Fine. Yeah, exactly. You know, or as opposed to coming in and being like, holy shit, <laughs> she's just bawling watching Harry Potter? Like, yeah. I've never even seen it yet. It must be good. I just don't watch. The funny thing is, is like... Yeah, nothing had even happened. It was just kind of that thing I was saying when I watched The Force Awakens. Like, I was, like, preemptively crying because I knew how sad <laughs> yeah. it was going to get. I love that. <laughs> I'm never going to a movie with you yeah, ever. Yeah, don't. But I love that. <laughs> Unless it's, like, my first time seeing it because then I'll just cry the whole way through, which might be worse. So, <laughs> like, The Great Gatsby. Oh, my God. When I went to see The Great Gatsby for the first time, I cried from the opening credits to the closing credits. Do you because watch a lot of the movies so multiple times? Uh, all the time. Over and over. I have a hard time watching new things, actually. It's actually one of the biggest traits of uh, BPD. She was like... All right, are you pre- depressed? Yeah, I'm depressed. Do you uh, do you associate yourself like pretty heavily with the things in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you watch movies over and over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got me. You also yeah. you read a lot of books factor. though too, right? I do read a lot of books, and and I think I connect with them on like a probably like some people might consider a strange level, but like because <laughs> I like get very emotionally invested in my literature, and um, again, but that's part of the reason that. Pr- um, I pursued a literary degree is because I've always felt that way about books, right? So I was like four reading about these like fantastic characters and adventures and that it really took a hold like deep in my core. Anyway, so I I ended up making it part of my, like, you know, my education. I, I'm still very passionate about literature and, and, and novels and then I, I love when movies are made out of them. <laughs> um, but no, I, I um, kind What's of... What's your favorite what we're book? Talking about. Oh, goodness. I have like... Several, but uh, my top, I I guess, The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera is for sure one of my all-time favorite books. Um, I'm also really partial to Tender as a Night by F. Scott Fitzgerald, which I want to explain to you why in a second. And um, then, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking out. What's your least favorite book? Oh, God. (laughs) Ugh, I really hated the Sookie Stackhouse True Blood novels. I tried to read them, and I got, like, a page in, and was just so annoying. I was going to say, like, oh, if you also, have a shitty book, like, don't you just stop reading it? I yeah, stopped reading I know, it. I, don't, yeah. I was just thinking, I don't have a This was such a book. shitty book, yeah. I have to finish it. And I tried, like, I my, know some people that totally are like, well, i got to finish it now. Like a movie. Uh, it's easy to yeah. do that with a movie. I can yeah. do that with a movie and go, oh, well. That's an investment with a book. That's a fucking investment yeah, to be yeah. like, well, i got to finish it now. No, I like, can't. No, dude, yeah. burn it. I'd way rather read like The Great Gatsby like nine times over and then read. I some love The Great Gatsby. That I don't like yeah, yeah, yeah it's so sure. good. So here's a fun fact um, about the Fitzgeralds. Um, Zelda Fitzgerald, who is Scott's wife, um, is people can like mental health professionals can look back and accurately de- diagnose Zelda Fitzgerald with borderline personality disorder. Uh, yeah. Isn't that super interesting and cool that like that and like they you, they can look back and be like, well, we think actually Hitler was. Uh, 
Like, you know, whatever, BPD or... That or, is something that people have suggested. Oh, really? BPD? <laughs> oh, shit. Get yeah. out. I was going to say... So, I was actually going to say something more like, um, I don't know. Well, there's so much public... I don't even know. The they, emotional they breeze back. of the... the. He's got a fourth degree burn on his, yeah. on his emotional, <laughs> emotional yeah. skin. Uh, he also was into some really weird occult stuff. Do you yeah. guys know about that? Yeah. Hitler? Super fascinating. Yeah. I love conspiracy uh, theories. I mean, just to throw this out there, a little plug. Uh, uh, last podcast on the left is a podcast that does an episode on Nazis and the occult. Ooh. It is That's my jam. really fascinating. When you're done listening to this episode and after you've gone to iTunes and rated and reviewed us, right. go over to the last <laughs> podcast on the left and listen to that. Just that one, though, and then come back to Sick Boy. Anyway, yeah, exactly. carry on. Um, you can only listen to one at this amount of time. <laughs> that was quite a digression. It was. I, but you know what? I, I, it makes me want to come to this topic that I'm really curious about. Zelda what, Fitzgerald. Oh, right. Fitzgerald. Okay. Oh, you, okay, okay. Actually, yeah. come back something to that. I really want to, to talk about. Yeah. So, um, she, I, I feel this kinship with her, and I always have. Um, I'm, I'm really into that era of, of literature and, and, and novels. Like when I first see F. Scott Fitzgerald in um, Midnight in Paris, again, I just lose I my mind. Love Midnight in Paris. So I just, it's a oh, good movie. such a good movie. Uh, I'm really sad that Tom Hiddleston had a it's betrayer. Probably, it's one of my favorite movies ever. It's I think. so good. It's so good. And, and Corey Stoll as Ernest Hemingway is just like yeah. unbelievable. Um, so good. And so good in. House of Cards. Yes, sad when he dies. Spoiler alert yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, that season came out a while ago. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Lots of spoilers. There's this quote. Uh, so th- there's a little bit of controversy around Tender is the Night, um, which is one of my favorite books, because Scott allegedly took a lot of the material straight out of the pages of Zelda's diary. One of the female characters in this book is, like, a very, like, sh- loosely adapted Zelda. Um and there's a quote that is like my favorite quote. I'm just going to reach into my phone and get it for you. Yeah, do it. Um, you kind of did that as if we were cops in Louisiana. And you oh, that's were true. Like, I'm just reaching into my phone. <laughs> I'm just reaching into my phone. Just, just, just getting my phone. <laughs> that we've just pulled over. And you reached out as if you like, looked at us and like you showed us your hands. And we're like, I'm just going to reach down here. This is not a gun. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the quote is from Tenders and Night, and, and she goes, I, um, I want to give a really bad party. I mean it. I want to give a party where there's a brawl and seductions and people going home with their feelings hurt and women passed out in the cabinet toilet. You wait and see. And I, I love those parties. Yeah, but I, How I, did you pull that up so fast? I, it's her background. I screenshotted it earlier today. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, I feel like that's a really, really funny and well put analogy for a borderline personality disorder because like, it is kind of like this emotional party so to speak and like there are it's like there's bad parts but it's still like a party you know what I mean mm, like yeah. there's there's these is with this is this a, offensive to ask but it is there a part like is there a part of you that like is um like for lack of a better term like like do you get like do you get a sort of like emotional boner off of the off of the like the intensity of the things that you feel you know what I mean and, and like I mean I don't just mean the you know the the hysteria and like the I love Steven Tyler but I mean the bad too <laughs> I like other music too guys <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean the bad is really hard to get through but at the same time like what I I say to myself is like you know I I may be feeling this sadness in this incredibly uh, real and hard way but. The flip side is I get to love with a capacity. I yeah. Do. So, I mean, I, again, yeah. I, I do, I mean, 
I guess what I, I guess what I meant by that was like, so I I've had this experience, and particularly in in theater school, where we were doing an exercise, and I tapped into this like really deep like emotional well, mm-hmm. and it was like a really really raw deep sadness, mm-hmm. and I started to cry. And like those emotions, like 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 in a volcano, like erupted out of my face. Yeah. And I was I, all I could do was curl up into a ball. I was in front of a whole bunch of fucking people. Mm-hmm. This wasn't a performance. No, yeah. This is just a straight up like exercise, like like regular day at class. And I'm rolling like I'm in a fetal position on the floor, crying with more force than I've ever cried in my life. Mm-hmm. Like shooting laser tears. Fucking shooting laser tears. Yeah, like for real. And like and to the point where everybody in the class was dead silent. No one knew what to do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it, it probably looked absolutely crazy. If somebody who wasn't in the class walked in and saw it, they probably would have been like, what did call 911. Yeah, something, yeah, someone called 911. And I never wanted it to end. Mm-hmm. It felt so good to just like release, feel release, but also just like feel the the intensity of the sadness. Like, man, it's so hard to describe. Which is why I was I when I when I I wanted to preface that with like I, I hope this doesn't sound offensive because I I don't I don't want to like trivialize it and say like oh you're just like you know you're just like horny for the f- like fucked up emotions, but like. <laughs> I does that like does that connect at all? You know, what I, I mean? definitely like, know what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of like this um, kind of it's there is like an emotional high from both the sadness and the happiness. I mm. think um, I think there's a lot of of weird strength in the ability to um, be that expressive. Um, like I know, like you're wearing the Be Human shirt. I really like they're doing so much great work for mm-hmm. society. Um, my the thing is like I. When they use the word vulnerable for sharing your emotions, um, I almost like think feel the opposite. I don't feel vulnerable at all when I'm sharing my emotions. I feel incredibly strong and I mm. feel empowered and I feel um, I don't feel like I'm being weak. I feel like I'm being um, I feel like I'm being very brave and courageous because mm. um, you know it isn't something that it happens a lot or it needs to happen more. But I think that I think that. A, confidence can come from that experience during like fully embracing your emotional reactions, I think. And, and a self-awareness and, um, there's a lot of good that can like, I remember one of the first things my therapist said to me is like, I was trying not to cry and she was like, stop, stop that. Like, yeah, yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Why are you doing that? That was when we were down in Brazil and I was having that fucking attack yeah. And they kept on telling me I just wanted to cry and brought, and everyone was saying, no, don't cry because you won't be able to breathe as well if you start crying. And then Bridie just came up to me and goes, and I was freaking, I thought I was going to die. And Bridie just goes, just cry. Yeah. And I started to cry and I was like, oh yeah. my God, everything yeah. is better. Mm-hmm. Everything is yeah, better. Bridie's pretty smart. <clears throat> it was fucking, That's why I love her. It was epic. <laughs> um, but I think that is is really important. And I think that you know, my BPD gave me the strength to fully embrace or the recognition of my BPD made me less scared of those deep, deep emotions. And like, it's not always, you know, it sometimes it really sucks. Like crying like that, it can be so exhausting and, and, mm. and it really takes a lot out of you. And, you know, some people don't know how to react. It can be embarrassing, It, you know, but it's, I think experiencing that emotion is incredibly important. And yeah. 
I mean, it's legit part of life. Like, I think if I think one of the best things that happened for society was the movie Inside Out. You know, the oh, yeah. emotions. Yeah. yeah, because it Absolutely. really illustrated the importance of feeling all of your emotions. Mm-hmm. And like, exactly. I've always like whether it be the strength to do that or whether it be uh, my nature, but I've always just kind of rolled with the emotional punches. And I think that's a really great analogy, actually. Now that I just said it, because it can be like that kick in the gut where you're like, oh, I'm feeling this, but, like, I need to feel it. Like, mm. like yeah. when Carrie Fisher just passed away, I spent, like, quite a bit of time crying. Mm. And, like, you know, I'm glad I did that because I really wanted to, you know, experience the feeling that, like, you know, I was very overcome with emotion over her passing. She is one of the most inspirational people, I think, in the world. Um, and I was very moved by the fact that she passed away. And I, I tried to, like, you know, not express that but then I was like no like that's exactly the opposite of what Carrie Fisher would tell me to do mm. <laughs> I know mm. it, it's so cliche saying all of these like Hollywood role models but she quite honestly is the best role model I think that uh, like sometimes I, I, I want to I would like to feel my emotions more like I I have always I have always felt like I am a very emotionally stable person in the way that like I don't fluctuate up or down that much, like. But at the same time, it's like when something happens, I sometimes I almost feel like I'm in a situation where I'm like, I should cry now. Yeah, but and I don't, and I'm like, why don't I? I mean, Taylor, if I could encourage you to do anything, it would be to do that to to feel what you need to feel. I know, right? And it, but but at the same time, it's like what I'm feeling is like it feels right. It feels like it's like I'm. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like I should have a more intense emotional response to what this is right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. You're, you're a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know. And I, I guess I find, and when I do, and I guess to what you were saying, Jer, about about having that that kind of like crying fit almost in yeah. class. Yeah. It's like when I do have that emotional response, it's like. It is like you said. It's like brave and courageous, and it's not. It's not vulnerable, and I don't feel like I'm weakening myself to anybody around me. I'm exactly. feeling like, holy shit, I'm getting to experience this right now because I very rarely do, mm-hmm. and I love that. But you know, there's. A, I mean, we could dive into the talk about society and emotions, and mm. when we did the t- episode on um, on masculinity a few weeks ago, and I mean, you know, men and emotions and masculinity and all this. You know, the 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 checks and balances that society's put on men and mm-hmm. men specifically was what the episode was about. But, you know, like just how we kind of, we deem or we say in society, like everyone should walk around and be like, like just keep it stable mm-hmm. while we're all together. It's like, yeah. save that other, save that up and down shit for when you're by yourself, mm. which is like to a degree, maybe that is incorrect in some ways, but not in the way that I think we've put it. And, and like, just, I thought that that was perfect the way you put that, that it's not vulnerable. You're not being weak to people. You're, you're being courageous and you're being brave. And I love that. And I wish I, I wish I went slightly higher and slightly lower. Do you think you would cry if, uh, or not if, but when you and I make love? Um, like what's the emotion that I'm feeling? Like a happiness, like a finally this is happening kind of thing. It's up to you. Like a lose your virginity I mean, I'm, I'm, or yeah. like a no stop. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh I would, my god, Brian. That is not how I make love <laughs> to Taylor. Brian, 
Why? Unless, unless, <laughs> well, unless you want it. Unless, I was assuming I'm, that you didn't want yeah, it to. Unless Otherwise, Taylor, I figured you guys would have done it by well, now. Well, if it's happening, it's because I, I agree, because Jeremy knows to respect my wishes. You just got real Anthony Absolutely. Jesselnick right there. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I would cry if we made love. Can because I go to the bathroom? Fe- uh, yeah, yeah, go for can. it. Yeah, yeah, please. We'll, we'll just... We'll just, uh, I mean, we, we, you, you go to the bathroom and then we'll, we'll wrap it up when you get back, but sure. we'll, we'll, we'll just. Don't talk about me while I'm gone. No, no, let, but let's keep this going. Let's keep this conversation going. Sure. Cause I think it's really interesting to talk about, um, about, you know, like holding back the emotions. Cause when that, that thing that happened in theater school, that wasn't a, that wasn't a like, oh, I've, I've found out like where, like how to cry and, and like act like I'm crying. Oh, this yeah, is yeah. great. I've, I've figured it out. That, that was like a. Uh oh! Like I poop my pants, kind of like this is real. I yeah. and I don't know how to. St- I can't stop it now. Like you tried to fart for, <laughs> yeah. for in a scene, but yeah. you actually see yourself, and you're like, "Oh no, Oops. this is way more than I wanted to." Oops! <laughs> yeah. Oops! I made a brown. Oops! I browned. Uh, yeah, one of those situations. But I don't, I don't know. know. I, I but I feel like I have the opposite. <clears throat> I have the opposite issue, and maybe I'm just totally off, way off base with society. But I feel like I have the opposite issue of a lot of people where a lot of people keep their emotions in check whereas like do you think I that comes have, from do, do I don't you think feel that like com- I have many emotions to keep in check do you think that but but when you do have the emotions that arise and you you bury them down. I don't bury do, them though. You don't think you're burying them? No, you don't, it's don't. not like the Bill Burr kind of like stuff it down. No, like you see no. a fucking cute puppy, stuff, <laughs> stuff it, down, it down, stuff it down. No, I'm not burying anything. The the emotion that I feel the most is like a, a very raw and a very intense sense of passion, which makes me very introspective and makes me like... I can't stop thinking of making love to you now. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you guys try to make out the other night? We did. Uh, I, you <laughs> tried to make out with me. No. You thought it was funny that I made out with a guy. This is a... well. Oh, my God. We haven't even said that I on the podcast. That, I thought yeah. that it was funny that, it, that from listening to you telling the story, it more so sounded like a guy tricked you into making out with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he did, but I did it anyway. I, I did it anyway. It felt great. Jeremy, Jeremy for like a week was like... I made up with a guy, but we never uh, really heard the full story. He was just like, yeah, I made up with a guy. And then and then he recorded him telling the story on another podcast that he's developing with his wife, Friday. And when I heard him tell the whole story, it was basically <laughs> sounded like the guy basically like mind manipulated you into thinking that you wanted to make out with him. Did he Jedi well, mind trick you? Here's he the did. thing. He I won't, go, totally I won't go into the story, but he was a charming man. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> Uh, and he but, kept you coming back all night. Uh, well, he said yeah, he has but, this. Group, but, 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 he has this group not, of followers not. in Utah that they all wear white. <laughs> yeah. And he was, and then after he made out with Jeremy, he was like, "Please come back to Utah with us. Uh, we have this amazing punch." Remember our, remember our, uh, our, our, our midweek episode. How gay is Jeremy? We're gonna have to come back to that. Yeah. We'll call up. Uh, we'll call up Dr. James Cantor yeah, and ask him. Yeah, we should actually. If, how far I've slid up the scale? Yeah, you definitely have. You're more than a point five on the. Uh, yeah, the you, know, you, again? you know the scales not a ladder. Right? You don't need to keep trying to climb it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I, but I, I kind of want to. Ryan, Maybe I, I will. Um, so th- there were, we were talking about like Carrie Fisher, and we were talking about. Um, we, there's been a lot of actually media talk, um, and you know we're talking about like Hollywood and, and and idols and stuff like that. But I'm wondering how you feel about how mental illness, and if not just mental illness, like or if, if not just BPD, but mental illness in general 
is portrayed in in mainstream media? Oh boy, I have so much to say on this point because I'm such a cultural fanatic. Um, okay, so recently I'm gonna put you into where I'm at, like right now. So do you know that there's a movie that's coming out with James McAvoy and he's playing something Whoa. with dissociative yeah. disorder? M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's called Split. Is it? Okay, I don't remember the title, but so I do this thing that is annoying when I read comments to everything on the internet. Um, so I got wrapped up in reading the comments um, in on this story because it was, it was posted on Mental Health on the Mighty, which is a great website, on, and I have a Facebook page, you guys. Everyone should check it out. Mental Health yeah, on the Mighty. Uh, yes. Lisa Lupus? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, Lisa writes uh, Lisa from blogs for them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so they're awesome. Um, but anyway... Um, I, re- I was reading it on like via this website. So the art- article was about how destructive and dangerous, dangerous is really the word, um, that these portrayals of mental illness are. And then there was a lot of like flip commentary being like, we live in this culture of self-victimization. Like if you have DID and you're, you're offended by this, like that's your problem. DID? Dissociative Identity Disorder. Exactly. Which, which I believe is the what? same disorder that was in Me, Myself, and Irene. Oh, I've never seen that film. But. Oh, it's oh, really God, funny. Right, so, so that funny. was different yeah. than multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Right? Uh, it, yes. It, it's not called... No, it's, not, it's yeah. actually, he actually had dissociative identity disorder. Okay. Um, myself and and I think that show um, with Toni Collette on HBO a few years ago, she also had DID. I can't remember what it was called, but... Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway. Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, classic. Um, so... And I think what the people who who argue that if you're offended by this, it's your choice are really missing is that until there is a portrayal of a normal character with mental illness in the media, these destructive ones are incredibly just that. They're incredibly destructive. So I go back to Fatal Attraction all the time because that, like, Glenn Close's character, Alex Forrest, is very much accepted as a borderline woman, except, like, well, not only does that movie relate nothing at all to my personal experiences – it, there's always going to be someone out there who you say borderline, they go right to Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction without any understanding of like one. Not only like Hollywood does a, a ba- like Hollywood distorts regular people, let alone people with mental illness. You know, everything in Hollywood is extremely oh, yeah. exaggerated. Um, so there's this weird like kind of dichotomy right now in um, borderline women in the media, and it's either Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction or it's Kristen Wiig and Welcome to Me. Which I oh, I love that movie. Okay, now, what do you think? About I'm that? curious to know what you thought because I thought that movie was delightful as fuck. Uh, but when I was watching it, I was in my head the whole time. I was going, I don't think this is BPD. The part that bothers me, it's kind of like what what the the criticism that's launched against Christianity often is like the whore, or the virgin. Like that's what's created in in culture with borderline women. It's either crazy or a bumbling fucking idiot. And like neither of those portrayals is reflective of how I feel like or my experiences. And I guess that's something that, you know, you'd probably need like 60 borderline guests to. And is that the fatal attraction versus Glenn Close versus Kristen Wiig? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I was going with that. So the, the Alex Forrest versus the whatever her name was in that movie because I found it so offensive. I, I like honestly found it offensive. And so here's my problem with that, though, is this is not going chronologically at all. But so there's two women in the meet. Like Angelina jo- Jolie and Halle Berry are borderline women. They're open about it and they know it. Like, it's a thing that they live with. They talk about it. They share about it. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 part of them. I didn't know that. Cool. I yeah. So here's what I find problematic, and I think it's the same argument that can be, um, yeah, like 
put out there about anything that's ill-researched or ill, like, they very clearly did not have a borderline person on their research staff, I think. I think they had an idea, like, it's admirable in the sense that they tried, you know, she's not supposed to be a, an antagonist, she's supposed to be the protagonist, Kristen Wiig, in this movie. Mm. But it's, it's, it's so offensive, like, it just... Yeah. No, that's, it just that, that sucks because I I, I thought I enjoyed that movie so much, and now I'm going. Yeah, me too. God is, damn it, you dumb he, movie! Is the inaccuracy the offensive part? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it, it's just this kind of like I think that the producers went, and it sucks too because I love Kristen Wiig, I love Wes Bentley, oh, I love so, so many of yeah. the people in that film. Yeah. Is it inaccurate to your experience, or the or or the overall uh, or the overall? A perception of 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 what uh, BPD actually is. I think both is the answer to that question. Um, it's com- like completely neither of the like neither Glenn Close or Christian Wing is like my own personal experiences at all. Um, and that's not to say it might not be like someone else's. You know, I don't. You know, everyone's different. Everyone's mental health is incredibly different. Everyone with this disease is incredibly different. So you know, there's so many ways to interpret this. But I think the problem is it it just. It was so clearly approached by someone who didn't have inside knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had just take the time to consult with even maybe like a few psychiatrists, like I don't know. I don't know what the production was like. But I so, feel that way when I see a commercial that has uh, someone doing yoga in it and they're doing, they're, they're doing something like that's way out of whack. And it's like how difficult would it have been to just say we need somebody with like X amount of yoga experience. And I'm like – do your fucking homework. Yeah, it's similar. You know what I'm <laughs> how many no, times? No, it is. How many similar. times have you seen someone go into like uh, um, upward facing dog, and you just been like, oh god, that's hey, don't come into it like that. Like in a and commercial like, or in class? yeah, we're like they're just like their knees are slumped and their hips are just like like sagging forward, and they're like arching their back and like cranking their neck. And you're yeah, like, dude, because in a commercial guys, I can't guys, stand guys. it, but in class I'm just like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, do you think that the the way to resolve this is just to have somebody with BPD on Big Brother? <laughs> oh, God. Like, is that Actually, the answer? I wanted to um, just give a little shout-out to Willow McDonald, a mutual friend of mine in Jeremy's. What's up, girl? Who was on Big Brother Canada, and Willow, I told her, she knows this personally, but I just want Does to Willow like, have BPD? No, no, she doesn't. She's just hyper as fuck. Yeah, she's just, <laughs> she's just Willow. But I wanted to just thank her for giving me the courage to kind of take this a larger platform because if she can come out in front of literally a global audience mm. on television, I can speak about my personal illness. Yeah. So, Willow McDonald, thank you for being so inspiring come every out day. Salt did of she the come fucking out, earth. Come out as gay on the show? Yes, she oh, did. Okay. Yeah. Salt That's of the awesome. earth. I love, I love I that girl. I don't know Willow. Yeah, I, I went to high school with her. <laughs> I think She's, I know of her. I think she's, she's a beaut. Sh- you've, sh- you've shown me her. Yeah, we were supposed to meet up in Vancouver when we were in Vancouver, but it just didn't work out. She's a fantastic human who is just so brave and just I wanted to thank her for, you know, Speaking um, and and showing everyone that it's okay to live your truth and on a right because it doesn't because it doesn't necessarily need to be someone coming out and, and and talking about exactly what you deal with. It's just people talk coming out and talking about shit that's hard it gives people other people permission to come out and talk about their shit as well. Correct. And and what I think you guys are doing this amazing job of. I I use the words dialogue and conversation all the time, but you guys are legitimizing this dialogue and you are legitimizing these conversations. And I think if more people like you know, set out to do something like this, it would be a lot easier for people in the future to to also speak out. But um, I think 
something it's it's society is so interesting. I think the fact that stigma is a social construct, an arbitrary social construct of backwards ideals, I think that means though it can be dismantled through conversation. Fuck yeah. yeah, it can totally. be dismantled through yeah. action. It can be dismantled through these kinds of activities. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like how Voldemort gives Harry Potter everything he needs to defeat him. You know, like stigma in society gives us people like mm. us everything we need to defeat stigma and and societal. Uh, misconceptions and mm-hmm. mythologies about people with illnesses. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to, to do this kind of stuff because you never know who's going to listen and who's going to yeah. find the courage to... And talk. hey, those of you who are listening right now and like subscribing to this and talking about this and engaging with what we're doing on social media, like that is that is why we continue to do this. Like that is hands down one of the biggest reasons why... We still do this. Totally. It's it's because we realized, oh wait, this is this is far more this is far more important than a few buddies sitting around and making a bunch of like fart cum and dick jokes Which and happens. laughing about my like <laughs> at my like lame lung disease. Like this is so <laughs> much greater than that. And not to not to blow smoke up our ass, but I do think it is important. I think it's so important because I think that we. As a society, like there's there's a whole bunch of changes that we need to go through, mm-hmm. and I think this is is one of those ones that is just as important as a lot of the other issues that are going on. And I think, oh. I th- well, I think the word the word stigma is very telling in itself because, like, r- really, what stigma is 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 it's just the the lack of understanding. So For sure. that's and what you're saying is is through conversation, through talking to people, and then thus better understanding mm-hmm. them. Then then you remove <laughs> that stigma, you take it down, you make it easier. To, to replicate and, and to do mm. again. You know, and, and if, like, one person listens to this episode and, and, and sees their borderline friend, sister, cousin, partner as less scary or less of a threat or has learned one thing about what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder, I feel great about that. Like, mm. I just want – and you guys, you know, even the fact that you guys now have a little bit of understanding, that is – So much more understanding. Oh, my God. That's great that, for me. That, yeah. that title, though, itself that, – It's that a problem. Categor- that categorizes – well, it, it is, but also was it – like, taking away the, the – maybe the inaccuracy of – or I guess – What's the right word? I don't know. Just the the way that it's worded, the the misnomer in, in borderline. That aside, um, having a diagnosis and having uh, a clear title on on what you're living with has it been easier for you to understand or better for you to understand your your life thus far? Yes, like a resounding hundred percent. Yes, um, you know, and like the phrase, the old phrase is knowing is half the battle. I fully, in my personal experiences, knowing has been ninety eight point nine 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 percent of the battle like I kind of you know there was always like a little bit of sense like am I broken is there something wrong mm. why do I feel like this but then again I'd rebound back to the happiness phases and I'd be like oh, okay I'm just extra happy again like whatever <laughs> um but just like the clarity like when I would get into these like emotional like like you know when you're in the like not I don't know but those pools that you can like swim laps in like a stationary pool infinity pool no, no that's just like the a, look of the pool oh, it like it like blows a current out you. yes yeah. correctly yeah. so you could like do laps in like a stationary pool sometimes that's kind of like what my emotions is like it's like I'm swimming against, against this perpetual current, current. Mm. yeah um, and oh shoot I digressed and, and in knowing oh, right. that okay yeah and in knowing that that's what was happening and in, and and you know I kind of got a personal flotation device in terms of my knowledge of myself. So the self-awareness, the ability to know when I'm like heading down what I would call like the 
emotional <laughs> rabbit hole, so to speak, um, that that's huge. Like I know that like, oh, I'm not just like broken. I'm, I'm experiencing things the way that I was bo- like the way that I experienced them. But I now know that that's not entirely correct. And I now know what I have to do to, you know, mm-hmm. experience them in a healthy fashion. But not only that, I find it has the flip side of allowing me to channel the good parts and the happiness into, you know, like my pursuit of my education and my pursuit of my career. I've, I've been painting a lot more and like, it's, it's kind of being able to like wield this, uh, wield, is that the right word? Like sword? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Kind of being able to wield this double-edged sword. So dual wield, uh, two double-edged daggers. Yeah. Like uh, Deadpool or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but so knowledge, yes, Brian, a hundred percent. It, it was incredible. And you know, had maybe I heard, Someone else speaking about this when I was like 20, 19, 16, maybe I would have been, I would have sought out. A lot more clarity. Yeah, maybe I'd have been like, oh, that sounds like what I'm going through. Maybe I should Mm -hmm. find more information. And that's kind of what I'm hoping now to do is be, is to put the information out there, have some, like if, if, you know, if anyone can hear this and relate and find help for whatever it is, or, you know, think that like gain a little bit of clarity, a little bit of perspective, perspective is everything. And (laughs) yeah, I a hundred percent. And every time I go to my therapist, I feel this renewed clarity and perspective. And, you know, like I'm so much better at handling things now, but it's it's always nice to kind of have that refresher of like, mm. yeah. okay, yeah. you know. And But then at the same time, therapist is a nice milestone too because it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so much better off than I was the first time I sat on this couch. Like, holy yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hannah. Um, but, yeah, I would say with, cool. without a doubt, my life has been significantly less tumultuous. My emotional life has been less tumultuous. If you were to say uh, borderline personality has um, taken something away from you, what would that? What would you say that would be? I can't say that, Jeremy, because I don't feel like it's taken anything away from me. I cool. feel like it's given me certain things. Um, what would you say is the biggest thing that your borderline personality disorder has given you? The ability to love in an extreme capacity and feel happiness in these extreme capacities and um, be really excited and engaged with my life. And, you know, it, it motivates me to do everything. It, it, it's, it motivates me to, 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 do every, to do everything, you know. Like, it, I want – I'm getting, getting too grandiose, I suppose. But No, not at all. Not um, at all. It's, it, you know, it's me. My personality disorder is me. So I can't, I can't separate myself from it in any way shape or form. Um, and you know, it's not like it's prohibiting me from living my life, my professional life. Like I'm, I'm, I don't find it's in, uh, debilitating. I yep. don't find mm-hmm. it debilitating in terms of, of, yeah, my professional life. I, it's definitely taken a toll on some of my relationships, but you know, through therapy and understanding, I can best, better navigate those relationships. Um, I think it's giving me, given me passion, I get that's the long and short of it. It's it's given me quite a bit of passion. Oh, that's just rude. It takes me like 16 seconds to cry into this song. <laughs> I think it's necessary. And we're breaking copyright laws. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> will we get in trouble for this? No, fuck that. It's just when you were like, it gives me the capacity to love. I just immediately was like, I wish that song was playing right now. I, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm going to sing so this fucking song. I'm so glad that you're Googling you that because... Lauren was being so passionate and honest, and Jeremy's just got his head in his phone, and I'm like, oh no. Here, come on, come back, because she's saying something really nice. <laughs> Take it away, Taylor. You've got that voice. It's the high notes, I'm excited to hear. 
Oh, Jesus, Taylor. Oh, no, I just broke okay, the mic. yeah, that's well, there, that, there goes that. I was enjoying it for a second. <laughs> uh, I think that that is one of the most beautiful answers to that question because we, we ask that question a lot to a lot of people. And the way, the first little chunk there to, the, to have the ability to love with like such an extreme passion, like that's pretty fucking beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel that way too. Um, and I kind of, it, it gives me this like weird connected feeling to like all of these authors and poets that I've loved for ages because I feel like those kind of creatives are writing like things that I'm feeling that I could never write so eloquently, yeah. which is like lovely. Um, and I think that it gives me the ability to connect to people in a very real and honest way. And I think that that's a strength. I don't at all see it as a flaw. Like again, yeah, if, if if me crying over like some things that I'm passionate about makes someone uncomfortable, like I mean, I think the time is nigh to to mm. start to start making changes. And mm -hmm. you know, again, like if you want to hold it against me, that you know, that's totally your prerogative. If, if you have, if you think that, you know, if you have some qualms with my mental illness, that's fine. But I don't have any qualms with my mental illness. Yeah. So, you know, if I don't think it's a dip, if if it's not stopping me from living my life, it shouldn't stop you from. Hell yeah. From just like gay marriage. Precisely. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I know that you have a, I guess it's not anymore, a semi-anonymous uh, <laughs> Instagram account that is actually like really, it's really cool what you're up to on there. And, you know, you sp you've spoken out about what you're dealing with on there. Uh, where can people find you on Instagram? So you can hit me up at, <laughs> at Really Bad Party. Um, and I chose that um, from, it's kind of a play on an F the F. Scott Fitzgerald quote that I brought up earlier. Um, yeah. And I think it's very fitting for, for borderline personality disorder and for me as a human, um, you know, a really bad party. Yeah, sweet. So <laughs> or not a, uh, just really bad party. If you're on the old Instagram, head on over there and uh, and give it a give it a follow. Check it out. Really bad party. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys make it so nice and easy to talk about things that are super important. And I didn't cry once. You didn't? Me? Not I, even with the Aerosmith. I know. And I brought my tissues and my Carrie Fisher doll, and I didn't even cry. And I'm, I'm super impressed by that. Oh, I'm super glad. I'm so glad you took the time to come in yeah. and that we could figure this out. It was great. Thank you. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always... Please go over to iTunes, give us a rating, a review, a subscribe. Uh, it just helps us stay on the charts. People see what we're up to. People, people can, more people can see it. And uh, we're on Patreon. We we like seriously um, love all the people who have supported us on Patreon so far because it's given us the ability to travel to other cities to talk to other people. And on that point, what I was I was looking at our, <coughs> our, our metrics uh, in the last couple of days, and I noticed that um, anytime we've traveled somewhere, it's been because of our Patreon supporters that has allowed us to travel to that place, get into Huge. that community, do uh, conversations from that place, do like media spots on, on, on TV and radio when we're there. And I'm looking at our top markets, and our top markets are each place that we've been able to go to That's as right. a result of those people. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for that. And if you haven't checked it out, go on over to patreon.com slash sickboy and uh, just check out some 
of the options there, exclusive content. It's super fun. Uh, and of course, we are on Instagram, Sick Boy Podcast. We're on uh, Facebook. Look us up, Sick Boy Podcast. We are at Sick Boy Podcast on Twitter. And uh, for all of our Latin American listeners, uh, we are on Turingo. We're growing our Turingo page. Turingo's, so, um, it's blown up. It's, it's, it's really blowing up. up. The yeah. Turingo. Blew up last night. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. Turinga with an exclamation mark on the end. So please, oh, Turinga. I love exclamation Turingo. marks. Turinga, Turinga, it's Turinga. I mean, Jeremy didn't set it up. I set it up, so that's why he's get, not getting it right. But hey. um, we're building there. So please, head all head and again, there. if you if you subscribe. if you forgot already, go and follow at Really Bad Party on Instagram. You got it. Uh, that is it for today. Thank you all so much. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor, and I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.